You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We are so thankful that you have joined us today as we continue in our series of questions, objections, and obstacles to living scent. I'm joined by James Ross, lead pastor here at Church on Bay Shore. Are you doing all right today? I'm doing great, Justin. How are you today? I'm doing great, too. It's a great day. And, uh, you know, this week, this past Sunday was Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Valentine's Day is just an incredible holiday. Holiday. Mm-hmm. I remember because, you know, in high school, didn't like never had like a girlfriend on Valentine's Day. It was always like, Aww. you know, I don't say that for any kind of sympathy. It's just like always like it's single awareness day. <laughs> <laughs> Single so awareness day. So bitter, so salty. Hey, but now I got the best Valentine in the whole world. Oh, right. man. He's not talking about me, his no, podcast co-host. He's talking about not, Christy Wyatt. That's right. Yeah. So, you Or guys, were you talking about Jesus? Sorry, Jesus. the best Valentine. Oh, yeah. That was in college. People were like, like whenever you're like, I'm just focusing on being single. And people would be like, I'm dating God right now. <laughs> Date, that, that was like a, that was a thing, right? late like, 90s, 2000s. Goodbye, yeah. So yeah. God. I'm like, I don't know about that. That's just weird. But. Yeah. Yeah. I used, oh man, there's like <laughs> true love waits, you know, promises and then true love waits again, cards. And <laughs> I kiss dating goodbye. Goodbye. Right, you know, I, did it. I, I kissed dating goodbye for the third time. I always thought that was really stupid. I yes. kiss dating goodbye. I know that like he's come back lately and said, he's sorry for that. Cause we're in cancel culture. So he canceled his own book, yeah, but he probably didn't cancel the royalties. He's made. Yeah. He, I doubt he did. I doubt he did. You hear uh, that Joshua Harris. We know right. you. That's right. You know, uh, Valentine's Day, I think a lot of people are cynical about it because it's, you know, it's this man-made commercialized holiday, you know, it's just trying to make money off of it and it's all invented. So segue is we're talking about objections to uh, to Christianity, to living sense as we're talking about people. One of the objections people often have is they say that about the Bible. It's just this man-made thing. And so as we mm-hmm. dive in these next few weeks in the series, we want to talk about things that People really do have objections to faith and, and legitimate questions about faith. And as Christians, uh, we uh, we should be able to reasonably discuss these things yeah. and be prepared. Scripture says we should be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's within us. And really, we our faith stems from the authority of, of Scripture. Mm. And one of the, the main objections people will have is the Bible itself and how yeah. do we trust the Bible? It's just made by man and man wrote it and it's been used and abused over time. How do we know we can trust the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible is mm-hmm. authority? And so this mm-hmm. is a big question and we mm. should be uh, somewhat uh, knowledgeable about the Bible. I mean, we should be very knowledgeable about the Bible, but we should be also be knowledgeable about how we can trust the Bible. It's his his historicity. There you have mm-hmm. to think about how to say that word. But mm, That was impressive articulation there, thank Justin. Thank you, bad, because I had to think about it really hard. Uh, so one objection, you know, that people will have about the Bible is this. The Bible has been manipulated, used, 
abused to wield mm. power over mm-hmm. time. I'm talking mm-hmm. spe- specifically the Crusades, slavery. Mm. Uh, it's been used even in modern times, you know, in families. It's been used as oppressive to women, to families. And now a modern day version of that is, you know, it's, it can be used as a form of power. Uh, people will use it as a weapon for you know, towards legalism or even really the prosperity gospel is another form of, of it as well. Yeah, uh, And so... As people, that is one of the things you will almost always hear when you know, people bring up this Bible. Well, you can't really trust that because people just have used the Bible to get what they want over time. And, and it's true. That is true. It's 100% true. There, I, yeah. You ever seen that movie, The Book of Eli? I, it's been a long time, but I have seen okay, it. Okay. Okay. It came out last year, so it can't have been that long. No, I'm just <laughs> really? kidding. Like, oh, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> um, in there, there was a guy, you know, basically the whole, it's in the world. There's only like a copy of the Bible and he's trying to get his hands on it because he knows it can be used to manipulate people for mm-hmm. power. And, you know, it's a great illustration of the reality of the Bible can indeed be used. I mean, any, any spiritual book but especially the Bible, because it has so much truth, right? Is it can be used to manipulate? And you know, there, there was a translation of the Bible called the the Slaves Bible, right? There, it that was is a real. Certain things were taken were out, taken out because it, they wanted to continue the oppression of yeah. people, and that's terrible. And so, as as you, people bring that objection to you, yeah, the, the thing we have to say is. You are right. But what's interesting about all that, the Slaves Bible, the Crusades, is the problem wasn't the scripture. The problem was people didn't have the scripture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because the kings, they understood it. They had it in their languages, mm-hmm. but it wasn't in a common man language. The Catholic Church did not want the right. Bible in the common man's language. Right. And so I'm not saying this was everybody's intention, but it certainly helped the powers, religious, political powers to wield power over people because they didn't have it in their language. So the problem was not the scripture. It was the abuse of power. Right. If you go back to, you know, pre-Reformation time, you know, the Reformation, you know, part of that was that we, they want, people gave their lives yeah. to be sure that people could have access to scripture yeah. in a language they could understand because it was in Latin. And most people over time were not fluent in reading Latin, could were literate in Latin. And so the, the church did abuse yeah. the scripture and it, it was used to manipulate people and it was used for power. And so as we respond to that, you say, I think the correct answer is you're absolutely right. It has been used. It is still used by some right. to abuse, uh, to wield power, but that's not the purpose of the Bible. And right. so we do have to say that is wrong mm-hmm. uh, and acknowledge that it does exist in, in Christian history and in Current history. And in Wait, current practice. history. Is that a current, current history. history? Current time, modern time. Well, what I just said was history. It See, is, that was just history. Wow, we're getting <laughs> yeah, we're getting deep. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave the leave, leave history where it belongs. Uh, the past. That's, that's right. right. Uh, so I think we do have to acknowledge that, but and then we can't really correct that because mm-hmm. we can't undo mm-hmm. history, but we mm-hmm. can't say. We want to be faithful now. We want to be faithful yeah. to the scriptures and scripture's intent, which is to reveal yeah. uh, God, God himself revealing himself to us. So what we want to talk about today, we're going to do this over two weeks, is how we can trust the Bible. And today we're going to talk about the Bible itself. Like mm-hmm. how did we get the Bible and how do we know that we can trust the process? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. For lack of better word. Yeah. So, um, Really, you so you recently you did a class on this Bible 101. So what we're going to do today is I'm just going to ask you some questions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're going to respond uh, and just give a hot takes on some of these. So you could take 
literally there's seminary classes you can take on these on this question. There's you know this could be a semester long class. So yeah. these are going to be the Cliff Notes versions, the James Notes versions <coughs> of <laughs> these answers yeah. um, as we dive in. So first question is this: How did we get the Bible? That's a question people know. Well, it's, it's just this. Who chose the books of the Bible and how do we get it? Yeah, great, great question. So it's interesting because you you kind of open this up with the critique is how the Bible, man has used the Bible and the appeal to not trusting in the Bible is the corruption of man. So that's only one side of man and history uh, and when it comes to the scripture, because, and you alluded to this, also, you look back and there were many people who died yeah. so that the Bible could get into people's hands. So it was the opposite right. of the, the problem. And, and again, that doesn't necessarily prove the scripture, but it just shows that when somebody's just saying about the corruption tied to religion, they're only telling one side right. of history that you know, supports their viewpoint yeah. <laughs> that they don't want to believe in the Bible. We all tend to pick and choose to, right, to support right. what a we want to believe. Absolutely. So let's just first be aware of that. And then I would say, you know, so how do, how do we get this scripture in our hand? How do we get what we consider to be the Bible in our hand? And there's really two different parts of that. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament, really, there's not a lot of debate when it comes to how we got the Old Testament. I mean, it was began, began to be passed down through the, the Jewish people through oral writing up until about the time of Moses. And then the first five books of the Bible were written either by Moses or people close to Moses. And they begin to pass those down, you know, in, in their Hebrew language. And um, then you have, you know, the, the history of, um, you know, the Jewish people, essentially, as you look through Joshua, Judges, Ruth on, then you have the Psalms. And, but these are all being written down, believe, believed to be, I'm not necessarily proven that they're by God, but believed to be inspired by God. Um, and so around the time of Jesus, you know, you have amongst the Jewish people, the books of the Old Testament and compiled together Um and they began to be written in Greek, which was the the, the common language of that day. Um, and it's called the Septuagint. So there's 70, you know, two scholars involved in the writing of that into the Greek. And so that's what people are carrying around uh, at the day of Jesus. But but the, the debate really uh, is about the New Testament, you know, because uh, because that's that's new uh, two thousand years ago. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, how how do we get the books of the Bible that we have? And 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 the answer to that is 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 to be quick. You have the Gospels, which were written by G by those who are walking with Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, or, you know, written by people who are walking with the disciples uh, who are walking with Jesus. And then Acts is Luke, who wrote. Uh, um, Luke also uh, continuing the history of the church. Then you have the letters written by Paul and you have the letters written by close associates of uh, apostles or the apostles themselves. And all of that uh, is is being written around this time and begins to be circulated. And so um, they're just kind of letters going around, being read in, in what we would call church now in the synagogues and, and gatherings uh, being copied. And, and a couple hundred years later, you start to have disagreements in the church. You start to have um books popping up that don't seem to be consistent with those. Right. And so, yeah, so people began to make lists of, okay, what are the books that were actually written by the apostles and close associates of the apostles? And ultimately what we have today is a result of one of those lists, a canon, you know, is what they called it, where they measured what should be in the Bible. And there were three uh, questions about them. Number one, uh, were they widely circulated? That was important because- right. 
it took time for writing to be widely circulated right. back then. So if it was not widely circulated, it probably was just written by a dude. And we have no concept for that now, because yeah, yeah. right now it's like something goes viral instantly. Yeah, like you guys are going to make this podcast go viral, <laughs> viral. right now. <laughs> right. Do it. Uh, yes, share it. Go. <laughs> and we have no concept for what the the, the widespread view, because now anything can be so widespread. Right, but right. It took a long time. A long time. Yeah. So so you wanted something that had clearly been written and spread over the course of a hundred plus years at the time they're making these lists. Um, and then number two, uh, was it written by an apostle or a close associate of the apostle? The only exception to that would be the book of Hebrews, because we're not hundred percent sure who wrote that. And that's a whole nother podcast and multiple podcasts. <laughs> and then number three would be, you know, was it consistent with the gospels uh, and the book of Acts? Because those were kind of, hey, these are these are clearly, you know, Bible. Yeah. yeah. So that's just how we got what we got mm -hmm. today. Um, and, and then, you know, over time, uh, that's translated, uh, excuse me, copied multiple times. Now, I, I think, and maybe you're going to get to this is people are like, well, then how do we trust that what we have today mm -hmm. is what we had back then? And I would just say, that's a great question. You have to go back to the most original documents, the most historical documents, but the more that we have investigated and studied in the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 50s and or so the early 1900s and the Sinaitic manuscripts before that, those, I think it was 50s and 1900s, those uh, actually supported that what we have today is indeed close to what was originally written. And so, you know, time has only supported that what we have today was indeed what was written back then. And that's just, there's so many nuances to what I just said. Right. And so <laughs> when, when Canaan was affirmed, I think what we have in mind is that they like held up one of the books and they were like, all in favor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's we, this yeah, one yeah. does it because that's how we do stuff now. But it, it wasn't necessarily voting yes or no as much as it was really affirming. Yeah. This is what we believe is is inspired word of God. And because they meet these criteria, and so they're really affirming what was widely accepted right. as authoritative scripture and, and also excluding some that they was widely known to not be. Yeah. And, and, and the Catholic church. So, so I think the narrative that says you can't trust that is the corruption of the Catholic church, which certainly has existed. And as a Protestant, I still have challenges with the Catholic church as well. I mean, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> we don't need to get into those right now, but that hadn't formulated the way that we saw the corruption quite yet at that time. So that's somewhat of an invalid argument. And then also, um, you know, so you have more independent church fathers coming together and their concern was the false teaching, you know, and the division that the false teaching was created. Also, and this is important, and this almost never gets mentioned when somebody says you can't trust this mm -hmm. Bible because it was comprised by men, was the edict of Diocletian, the emperor, who said all of Christian, all the Christian books have got to be burned. Mm. And will kill people who won't let us burn them. And this, the, the churches need to be burned down. So now how the story gets typically told is Constantine became the emperor and he accepted as, you know, the official, uh, you know, faith of Rome. Right. Right. But the reason we have the Bible is because these men said, hey, we'll die for these books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we need to preserve these books and people need to have these for generations to come. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Amen. You know? So yes, people have corrupted the Bible and we certainly can look to that and that doesn't help our cause, but also people have been willing to die and have died so that we could read those books of the Bible today as well. Right. When you read uh, the story of, you know, people in the Reformation, you know, I think of oh, yeah. Tyndall and, you know, it's like you read that and it's, 
it's amazing. And because now we, at least in the West, we have many Bibles in our home. You know, and most people, it's like, oh, I forgot my Bible. I'll just grab another one. You know, I, because it's so prolific, everyone has one or has access to it. And to think back, it's incredibly humbling to think back to people who gave their lives mm-hmm. so that we could, I mean, not just so we, but so generations would have access and be able to, to know God mm-hmm. through his word. So let's talk about, you said this earlier, the translation. So that is another a common objection that people say, well, how do you even know what you're reading is what was actually written? Mm-hmm. Because aren't you reading a translation of a translation of a translation? And we all know things don't translate well. And once you translate something more than once or twice, it gets watered down. It's not the same original version. So there's bound to be mistakes yeah. in the translations. How do you answer that objection? Well, I think that stems from arrogance, that critique. <laughs> I you th- call me arrogant. <laughs> no, no, not you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it ultimately, it, it stems from progressive arrogance where we think we're the most, most enlightened yeah, generation. generation. So, cause we're like, well, we could never, we could never play telephone in my house. There's eight <laughs> people in my house. We could never play telephone. And what I started saying actually make it to the last person. And that is true. Unless it were like three words. Right. And even then my kids would probably mess with the other kids. Yeah. Right. So, so, so that happens. And so, you know, when we think about the oral tradition and it being passed down, Look, they didn't make mistakes because they they depended on oral communication. I mean, somebody would literally be told a king would say, you know, or, or hey, you need to go and you need to communicate this message. I mean, like long, lengthy message to this person and they could die if right. they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So so, you know, you could trust th- that that a lot better than we can today. And then again, when it comes to actually doing the manuscripts, you know, and writing. So like if Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthians. He, he's got this, he writes this letter, right? And they're like, oh, this is the apostle Paul. So we're going to copy this and, and distribute it to the Corinthian churches in the area. And then, oh man, we need to send this to the boys at Ephesians and girls at Ephesians and Ephesus, sorry. And so, you know, they're way more precise than we would be right. if we were writing, I will do my homework. I will do my homework a hundred <laughs> times, you know, because of the culture right. they lived in. And, and again, when we go back and look at those documents over time, what we have today is valid. I mean, there are, there are devi- deviations, you know I mean? There, make no mistake. There are mistakes in some of those things, but it's so reliable and the accuracy is so impressive and the number of copies we have and the original date closest mm-hmm. to the events is so impressive. So much so that the next closest ancient document that we have that many copies of that close to the date of origin is the Iliad by Homer. Right. And I want to say that we have, and I might be slightly uh, over uh, uh, off here, but we have close to um, 50 to a hundred times more documents close to the original date than the Iliad. I mean, at one time there's been some more found of the Iliad, but one time it was like 1400 of the Bible within so such right. and such date. Mm-hmm. And like, nine of the Iliad. So the point there is not that the Bible is true, but that if you can't trust the the Bible, then you literally can't trust any historical document whatsoever. Exactly. Ancient historical document. I was reading about this and it it was talking about how the wealth, you know, if you go back to the early documents of the, of the scriptures that we have and how there will be um, some discrepancies, but ultimately the, the incredible number of 
translations or not translations, excuse me, copies that we have ultimately helps refine because you're able to say, well, that's a variant this, but we're seeing overwhelming majority of this. And so it actually helps refine what we, what we know of the Bible right. and bring it closer and closer to those original dates. And as you said, we have, we have more access to original text, you know, it, and I think what people say when they say translations are saying, well, yes, the Bible has been translated, but now because of original source documents that we have, yes, you know, yes. we aren't, look, when we read English now, we're not always reading, we're not reading a translation from a translation. We're actually reading an English right. translation from the original right, languages. Exactly. Yeah. They're and, going back to the source. And, yeah. And there's variants within those English translations yeah. based on the, the purpose of the translation, for right. readability, or they trying to capture original meaning or phrase by phrase, word for word yeah. translation. And most Bibles tell you that in the, up front. Here's how we, here was our approach. Exactly. And so I think that is so relieving. Thus was our approach is what the KJV <laughs> says. Thus, thus thou was, thou was, our, was our approach. approach I think we have to remember that we are, we are now able to read and for us in English, uh, a translation of the Bible that's actually translated from the original language. Yeah. Hebrew, like, Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic. A little bit of Aramaic, which yeah. are, which there's multiple copies that they're affirming what it says. Yeah. And I think for us, that gives us even more confidence. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about uh, some of those Apparent contradictions, because that's another question. Contradictions? Contra I can't talk. That's <laughs> <laughs> me trying to, I don't even know what I was doing, but I just got tongue tied. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those apparent contradictions, because that is another question you'll hear from people is, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Mm -hmm. You know, it says this and this, and it says differently here. Why is that? Yeah. So they're like, oh, okay. So uh, one guy said there was one blind man and one guy said there was 12 blind men. Oh, don't believe it all. Yeah, it's all can't, <laughs> can't believe any of it. Um, and actually that is proof <laughs> that what we're reading are eyewitness accounts. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't diminish the, what it is intended to be. It, it supports that what you are reading are eyewitness accounts. And one guy, it's not that one saw one and one saw 12, even though that could have been true, but one just chose to, hey, I, I think I need to focus on the fact that there were one here. And the other said, hey, there were 12 blind men. And it'd be like, you know, if we told a story, you know, you'd probably be like, here's the heart behind the story. And I'd be like, there were 50 people there. You know, that's incredible. <laughs> there was this amazing thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the the, con the seeming contradiction in the synoptic gospels, they call it the synoptic problem. To me, that's just, you know, it's really silly because you're reading three different eyewitness accounts. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You're re reading three different eyewitness accounts of what's happened. Three different summaries. They're not chronological necessarily, even though they're loosely chronological. It, it just supports that they're not in like, okay, we need to make sure this is all airtight and nobody has anything against us. And I would say, and I don't know if you're planning to get to this, but also these guys writing this make themselves look like fools. They look terrible. I, I was, yeah. was going to say that. And, and it wasn't like a day when you like write a Rachel Hollis blog and like, you're like, oh, I'm going to make myself look bad, but really I look good in that. Like, no, you didn't want to like Peter, who was like the leader. Right. Looks pretty, he denied Christ. Like, why right. would you allow that to be written about you? Exactly. I think you go by, you read the stories of the disciples, you're like, oh, these are not good. And then, you know, there's no person in the Bible except really Jesus who comes, who comes out like looking. The hero, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, well, they did. Like, if you were trying to convince people that this was true, why would you 
And why would you make everyone look so terrible? So, yeah. You know, Including it, yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even telling it on yourself. And it's like, you're, if you're trying to convince people this is true, that, you know, this is the king who's come, like, yeah. you certainly wouldn't fabricate a story about him being murdered on a cross. Right. Yeah. You know? And I think the, the, the fact that there are so many details and I was, you know, even as you read um, the gospels, you know, there is, when you read people's names, I know a lot of times when there's lists of genealogies or when it's, yeah. if you just notice even in the gospels or in the letters of Paul, there's specific names of people that are mentioned. Why? Because these were eyewitnesses. Yeah. So this, this really could not have grown in the influence of that time. Yeah. Because there were so many eyewitnesses and those people's names, like they're written in there. So if, because these people were still alive when these yeah. books were circulating, people could go to that person and say, Hey, you're here. Like, is this what happened? And so there was, there was veracity in that. And the, yeah. the more, so when we read names in the Bible, you know, don't skip over them or, or consider them insignificant. Why? They are kind of boring to read through. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah anyway. But, yeah. But when you see a name mentioned and it seems obscure, that's actually there. And it's a testimony Amen. to, they saw it. Yeah. This person, yeah. this was a real person and they, they saw this with their own eyes, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so there are some things in the scripture, not very many, I would say, you know, th- th- Scholars have said the Bible is 99.9% accurate to, you know, science, accurate to um, uh, the the original copies. But there are some deviations and some things that we're like, okay, this is a problem in translation. Uh, Sometimes it's things that we just don't understand. But for example, uh, the Bible does say in the Old Testament that the rock, it's like using a metaphor and it says, as the rock badger chews cud. Well, rock badgers didn't chew cud. So why does it say that? And and I think the like super spiritual would be, well, God changed the rock badger. <laughs> he used to chew cud and now he doesn't chew cud. And so uh, that's really what happened. And I'm like, so you're saying evolution? Like what's, what's going on here? But really probably what happened is the metaphor was not rock badger, but the most early manuscripts we have, uh, somebody accidentally translated rock badger because the word's similar to what it actually meant or, you know, something like that. Um, but again, these few things in the Bible don't change the overall message, the uniformity of the message between books. And I mean, like literally this book speaks this truth about the gospel. And you're saying, well, it said the rock badger choose cuz. So I don't know if I believe this. Yeah. You're at that point, if that's where you're hung up, then you're really trying not to yes. accept it. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. And, and at the same time, you, we have to be honest about that. And I think yeah. as you're talking to someone and, and if that's their objection, which say, I don't know that anyone's going to say that to you in a conversation, right. but what about the rock badger? <laughs> but passage? I think sometimes, you know, we can <laughs> in conversation in relationship with people, when, if that's people, if those kinds of things are people's hangups, hangs up, hangups, that's the right way to say that. Uh, I think it's okay to, to press into that a little bit and, yeah. and ask them now, are yeah. you, is that really an issue for you? Or are you just, you just don't want to accept that this could be true. Yeah. There's a heart. I mean, I, a hundred percent of the time, if somebody brings up, oh, there's contradiction in the Bible and you press, there's an issue with submission to any authority really for how we should live our life, which, Hey, I'm thankful for, cause that is the question about mm-hmm. becoming a Christian is, is your life going to be under the authority Will of Jesus Christ or not? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk really quickly. Another objection is, well, the Bible is invented by man and it really contradicts science. What do you say to that? Um, No, it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
you know, that's interesting because most of the people, and I mean this with complete respect, Mm -hmm. who say that now define gender not according to science. Don't define when life happens according to science. So I just think that was a like strong arm for a while. Mm -hmm. And some Christians fed into that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, as well. So let's be real. But I I just think that, you know, for science can only take us up to a certain point. And then there's faith. There's either faith in this or faith in this. And I, I just think that the Bible contains some things that scientifically we can't fully understand. Um, people have said, well, maybe it wasn't literal. Okay. Maybe there's some things that maybe you might be right. Hey, you know, back to creation. Like, do yeah, that, I, that's un- usually where people yeah, are coming from. Is yeah. The or Genesis the flood. Account. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, really the book of Genesis and it's like, okay, so were these all like metaphorical things or were they literal? And I just don't think any, either definition really changes the point that God was the creator and God judges people and God saves people mm-hmm. in Genesis. Right. And it comes back, I believe, to the, to the heart of submission. And, you know, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think if, if, if you can get past in the beginning, God. Right. You know, like, then if you can get past that phrase, then everything else, like, there's things we aren't going to know because, you know, the Genesis account of creation, I believe, isn't trying to explain it's not trying to lay out the mm. details of how God created as much as it is trying to say there was created order. And we can, that's, you could do, you know, there's seminary classes on that passage, yeah. just as, you know, as well. But if you can get past, like in the beginning, God submitting to that authority, then everything else you can under, not understand, but you can just live in this tension of, I believe this, but I understand there's other viewpoints and I ultimately, I submit to the authority of God. And I know that he, I believe he created. Yeah. If somebody says, I only believe in science, you know, not your Libre reference. <laughs> um, that's actually not true. Nobody only believes in science. So, I mean, the theory to me, you know, science takes you so far and it's either these infinite number of circumstances that could have possibly been true to create life right. or God. Yeah. And if God is true, then we understand the resurrection. Right. We understand the flood because he is not bound by our limitations. Mm-hmm. I This quote from C.S. Lewis, because you have to quote C.S. Lewis <laughs> in order to sound intellectual. Yes, yes. Uh, but he says this, uh, I've been reading poems, romances, vision literature, legends, myths all my life. I know what they are like. I know that not one of them is like this, speaking of the Bible. He says, of this text, there are only two possible views. Either this is reportage or else some unknown writer in the second century without known predecessors or successors suddenly anticipated the whole technique of modern novelistic, realistic narrative. What he's saying is the Bible, when it was written, was unlike any other historical document that was written. And Mm -hmm. unless someone went back and, you know, wrote it centuries later, Mm -hmm. which didn't happen, then it, this is what it is. It's the revelation of God. If, if, and, and if it is indeed, God using people, inspiring people to write what happened and about what happened and speaking to how they should live their lives. It all, it all, all makes sense. The critiques don't hold up according to that. And so, you know, if you really think about these, this group of men who had encountered Jesus and they're just writing about it and how we should live in response to that in the new Testament, then it it really does make sense. And, and none of this proves you know, that it, what, what I, what is in it is true, but it certainly kind of diffuses that, that disagreement. And in my opinion, it kind of, it puts the burden of proof because historically 
it's held up historically. Right. Many people validate it as mm-hmm. true. And so the burden of proof lies on people who encounter it. I remember sitting down with a guy who had a lot of these objections. And, and this is what I would, my encouragement to you would be. I remember as he's talking, okay, the Bible tells me the gospel is the power of God for salvation. So in all this, I've got to share the gospel. And so I said, well, can I just ask you what you think about this? And I, I explained the gospel message of, you know, God's holiness and our depravity and God making a way for us to be righteous. I said, does that make sense to you? Mm. And he said, uh, all I know is I want that to be true. Yeah. And I think we're created because that is the truth. Mm. And I would just encourage you to keep coming back to the gospel mm-hmm. and, and, don't be scared of the, you, you alluded to this. Do not be scared of your, of these questions, your children, if your parents having these questions and wanting to look at other religions, because ultimately like if it's the truth and I believe it's the truth, you know, then, then if we're really in pursuit of the truth, we'll ultimately land here. I think the reason people don't land here is they're all, they're really not in pursuit of the truth. They're in pursuit of validation to live the way they want to live. An affirmation of what I want to believe. Which comes back to the reason people corrupt the Bible too. Right. It's interesting. We kind of did a cycle <laughs> there in this podcast. Hey, there we go. It's we all did it's not full plan on circle. That. There, there you go. That's a that's a cool thing right there. Yeah. It's full circle full circle. I can't talk today. Full that's circle moment. There we go. So next week, uh, we're gonna continue talking about the Bible. And we're gonna talk about another a big objection that people have to the Bible. You know, this week talking about Bible's man-made, got errors. This week, or next week, we'll talk about the Bible. And the objection that people have to say, well, isn't it socially, culturally irrelevant? Right, like Obsolete. if it were woman-made, they'd be okay with it, right? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I guess. So, no, I'm just kidding. But how, <laughs> that's a really bad joke. <laughs> oh, man, I like that. <laughs> Sorry, it was it was a great joke. Okay, thank uh, you. But how is it, isn't it socially, obsolete, culturally irrelevant? And we're going to address some of those questions that people have. So we want to encourage you to tune into that. Hey, in the comments uh, today uh, in YouTube, we will post some links or just some access to resources, books that may be helpful to continue the conversation, maybe some articles, uh, some books that if you you're interested in learning more and taking a deeper dive into the historicity of the Bible, the accuracy of the Bible, and how you can know that you know that you know that you can trust it. Mm. Uh, check those links out because mm-hmm. we want to. Uh, there's a lot of people who've done a lot of research on this, and they know a lot more than we do. So uh, we want to. I mean, just maybe just a little bit more than we do. Just a little know. bit. <laughs> just a little, just bit. little bit. So be sure and check that out as well. As always, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. I hope you did not listen to this at one and a half speed because I was talking one and a half speed for part of that too. I was fast too. And if you want to leave a comment about that woman made joke, you can do that too. (laughs) You can send that to james (laughs) at churchonbayshore.com. That's right. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.